Welcome to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole, episode number 85 during the pandemic recordings oh. that we used to have. Uh, hello, Carl. Morning, Rafa. How are you this morning? Good and good. It's 2022. A beautiful morning. It's a beautiful morning. We had the chance to make a long walk. We did. We were discussing what we were going to do, walking around the lake. Mm -hmm. was really good. And uh, we are having these sessions of what many topics that we record during the pandemic that yeah. we were remote. Yeah, we did a lot of, re quite a lot of recording Yeah, remotely, as you say. We were using Zoom and other tools. Mm -hmm. And uh, we think we figured out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> The result is okay. I yeah, think. I, I think it's bearable, the resort. I but, mean, uh, it's good. Other things got in the way and we just got around to yes. releasing. And uh, this is a very interesting episode. Hmm. And we're going to have, we have actually a special guest for this one. We do. We have a special guest. We have this kind of occasional uh, spot uh, that we, although it's occasional, we're, we're trying to make it uh, regular where we uh, look at uh, women in technology and science or other areas uh -huh. who have made a, a significant contribution. But um, no doubt you're aware that for reasons that we will probably have another podcast about, <laughs> you never hear about them, right? Yeah, that's true. So there are these yeah. uh, female contributors that have done incredible things And you've never heard of them. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to try and fix that. Yes. This particular lady. And who's our special guest? And we do have a special guest who works in technology mm -hmm. and is uh, quite excited to uh, talk with us about uh, this female uh, scientist. Yes. We're talking about Denise Baldwin. Oh, we <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize we were doing that. Yes. Uh, our guest is Denise Baldwin. She works in technology. Yep. She's also a musician, but uh, we're interested in her take on mm -hmm. uh, this lady's contributions, which yes. we should remain a mystery. Yeah, let's let, leave it for the episode itself. Yeah. And we have another topic as well, which is very interesting regarding sound waves. Oh, yeah. This is uh, to do with uh, a new Actually, application ultrasound. of ultrasound. Yeah. Ultrasound, yeah. But it's not ultrasound like you know about... You know, having your baby checked out when you're pregnant. <laughs> this is actually affecting the brain. The brain. In it's a, a very targeted uh, very targeted therapy. Uh, therapy, yeah. And it's new, and it's uh, just being um, kind of trialed. Yeah. But it looks very promising. Well, enjoy episode 35. Yeah. See you at the end of the episode. technology. Hello, I'm Denise and I'm with Rafa and Carl today. We're going to talk about Francis Allen, who recently died aged 88. Many of you may or may not know that she was an early pioneer of compiler technology, which ultimately led to super efficient software development processes. Wow. Yeah, I, I have to be honest, I didn't know actually about Francis Allen no. until we decided to, to do this, uh, this little uh, episode, this little topic. Yeah, and I'm totally with you. I'd never heard of her later. Obviously, we know lots of blokes' names, right? Uh-huh, yeah. But uh, not ladies working in the field. No, but I found it really interesting. 
Mm. And all the things that she was able to, to, to do. Yeah. Well, what I found fascinating, partly, was her early life in that she was raised in... On a farm. On a farm in a very rural setting. And her parents' house uh, had no electricity or running water. Until 1940. Yeah, which is astonishing, right? So, yeah. And, and even when they got electricity on the farm, it was actually for the barn where they were running some equipment or something. Yeah, it didn't go to the house. It didn't house. go to the house. Yeah. It's just a f- unbelievable. She, she, she went to university and wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in the mid-60s, she got a job at IBM to pay off her, her basically her student loans. Yeah, she, she <laughs> actually did qualify as a teacher and actually did teach for a short period, but then went on and got, I think it was a maths degree or yeah. something, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, was offered a job in the mid-60s, as you say. Uh, and of course, IBM then was literally the world's leading computer company. Probably most people who are listening to this uh-huh. will never have heard of them. <laughs> um, well, I think, yeah. Do you think they will? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you I think, think it survives? Uh, yeah, maybe. I think it's an iconic name. Yeah, probably. So, yes. So she worked with other people, I'm guessing all men. Uh, on a piece of software technology called a compiler. Now, a compiler, uh, we all, uh, well, those of us who are in uh, technology development, software development, we all use them today, uh, but they were invented in the mid to late 60s. And prior to that, uh, software engineers would literally write binary instructions. Zeros uh, and ones. Literally zeros yeah. and ones. And uh, obviously this was a huge bottleneck mm-hmm. to uh, the efficient creation of software and it needed to be solved. And it was uh, people at IBM, uh, Francis Allen and her colleagues, who came up with this thing called a compiler, which uh-huh. basically takes the written code that uh, software engineers have written in a kind of a more understandable form. And the the earliest language, which I learned when I was young, mm-hmm. uh, is a language called Fortran. Fortran, yeah. I was about to ask you yeah. exactly about that. Mm. If it was something related to that, or, or if it was related, for example, in those times, we're still... Uh, Punched cards to read and um, to pass on uh, instructions. I think in the six, they were still using punch cards, and and possibly the compilers produced punch cards. Uh huh. So they take the engineers, software engineers' code, compile it, potentially two punch cards to produce the punch cards that they will then, then instru- fed through. Fed right? through. Okay. And of course, then it moved to tape. Uh-huh, and then, uh-huh. But um, uh, Fortran is basically largely meant for mathematical mm-hmm. problems, right? And um, what they found was that the very early compilers were incredibly inefficient. Yeah. And the engineers would write their code in Fortran, which was pretty super dupe because they didn't have to write in ones and zeros and they pushed them through the early compilers and the code that resulted from the compiler which was actually run on the computer was really inefficient took unbelievable amounts of time to execute and clearly wasn't gonna be a long-term solution and it Mm -hmm. was uh, francis allen and uh, colleagues 
um, particularly Francis Allen, who had these ideas about how to change that, and uh, she did, which was pretty incredible. Um, and she then went on to work for the NSA, the National mm-hmm. Security Agency. We've all seen the movies, right? Yeah. And uh, she worked on a top-secret supercomputer. Stretch Harvest. Stretch Harvest. They had all the best names. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, basically, Stretch Harvest, uh, its task was to analyse, and we've all seen these movies, mm-hmm. it was to analyse secret communications that were kind of pouring in from listening posts and operatives. and. In all fact, there was a TV series about this. I don't know if you have seen it. No. In Netflix, I think I saw What's it. What's it called? I don't remember now, but... It's it, not that one set in Australia, is it? In... was in the UK and in the US, about the women that were working... Oh, the Bletchley, the Bletchley uh, yes, yes. crowd. Yeah, uh-huh. The, that worked on the uh, Enigma stuff. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Sounds pretty much... Uh, yeah, but of course Enigma was this is after, Second before, World War, right? Yeah. And of course... This is after, way after. This is after, of course. And basically, uh, through her work... Um, developing the compiler technology, what it meant was that it freed up programmers, software engineers, from having to think about the how of what they were doing. They didn't have to think about the detail of how they were going to achieve it. They could just concentrate on the what, you know, what are we trying to do? And she was a huge force in that. She um, went on to be awarded the, uh, she was an IBM fellow. I think you would like to come in on this, Denise. No, I was going to just say that um, she was a, a, a force of change uh, in the 70s and 80s. Mm. And she really encouraged other women to, to uh, go into the field of, of technology. Yeah. And uh, she did attract a lot of women into her field. Um and uh, she looked basically out for people who were underrepresentative, yeah. uh, sorry, underrepresented. Um, and in 1989, she became the first female IBM fellow, mm. um, which is a rare honour. Uh, but when she received this award oh, yeah. at the IBM retreat in Southern California, the company identified her as a man <laughs> in recognition oh. and appreciation of his <laughs> outstanding technical contributions. Of course. And she kept that award um, on her on her wall in her office um, up until she retired in 2002. Yeah, I think that kind of says it all, really, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she was she was probably in the research group she worked in. She was probably the only woman, right? I'm sure I she think was. so, yeah. yeah. And the attitude would be that we're talking about a man. Men, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously Rafa and I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense to us, but apparently we're out of step. I think this is a whole other subject that we can talk <laughs> yeah, about that's in the future. One, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so a very interesting lady, very accomplished. Uh, would you like to say a final few words, Denise? I think she was. Uh, she paved the way for us all. Thank you. Neuroscience. Yeah, so here's an interesting one, Rafa. You know, um, you can get these um, transcutaneous yeah. devices that uh, send little pulses into pulses, you, yeah. either into your head or whatever. Muscle therapy as well for that, yeah that recovery. Kind of um, 
Apparently, one of the drawbacks of that technology is that currently they don't have a way of focusing the uh, electromagnetic wave signal. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and it tends, obviously, obviously can affect surrounding tissue and all mm-hmm. this kind of thing. And there has been a recent development using a form of ultrasound. So the kind of thing that you... Um, you know, see on the TV or whatever yeah. in the movies where they use them. The most common thing is for ladies who are pregnant getting their sonograms, you know, mm-hmm. the, the first uh, family photo. Yeah. Um, Find the sex of the, you know, all the that, baby. All that know. stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that uh, ultrasound uh, is an example of focused uh, sound. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Apparently, the lower the frequency, the more deeply it can penetrate, but it has to be focused. But and you can actually do that with an ultrasound. That is the thing about yeah. the ultrasound. So um, there's a lot of work at the moment going on with figuring out how to use ultrasound that's lower frequency than sonogram sound mm-hmm. uh, to... Um, basically modify the way uh, uh, signaling is going on in the brain to either address some pre-existing condition or Mm -hmm. suppress something, something like that. And uh, it's an interesting uh, technology in that what they have found at Virginia Polytech Institute Uh and State University is that uh, by using this lower frequency ultrasound that's focused, they can um, actually create real time effects in the mm-hmm. pa- in a pa- in a subject. So, yeah. for, so for example, by targeting specific areas of the sensory processing region in the brain, they can actually improve uh, the ability of an individual, for example to uh it increases the sensitivity of their touch uh-huh. and they can actually by focusing the ultrasound on this region of the brain um subjects report being able to kind of feel mm-hmm. at a higher level of detail than they could when the ultrasound is not there it's not there and it's what is interesting is that actually although it has these effects, mm-hmm. um, scientists at the moment aren't clear on exactly what the ultrasound is doing in, yeah. in the to the brain cell. And the nearest kind of explanation they've got at the moment is the sound wave is actually vibrating physically, vibrating, mm-hmm. moving the brain mm-hmm. cell, and it's affecting the way it signals to its... Um, yeah, receptors. Neighbors, right? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The way the receptor works. I think the key keyword here, I think, yeah. is the low frequency. Yeah, I because think so. at uh, high frequency, they have used that before, doctors, to be able to treat and actually uh, burn, in yeah, a way, kill. sections, kill yeah. the, the cells yeah. that are causing tremors yeah. and things like that. So basically, you by using really high frequency, they kind of know they what's happening. Yeah. They heat it up. Yeah. But in this case, being low frequencies... Yeah. 
they just start stimulating that yeah, small movement kind of shaking it. Yeah. yeah. And you're right in that obviously the attraction of uh-huh. of uh, pushing development of this focused lower frequency technology is that it's non-invasive. They don't have exactly. to drill any holes. They don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, clearly that's we a that, uh, huge attraction. <laughs> like, okay, let's put a... Let's drill a hole. That'll help. A drill in your, in your head, yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so um, another um, study they did showed that, um, uh, that they could actually improve a subject's ability to um to to judge how uh dots were moving on a computer screen mm-hmm. so the test was a bunch of dots and they had to characterize the movement and what they found was that when they uh stimulated a specific part of the brain again with this focused ultrasound um the the subjects their ability to correctly judge the movements mm-hmm. improved. So there's clear kind of clinical benefits can be got from this technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously they're looking at things like epilepsy. and Epilepsy, I think, is big and on these, yeah. Huge, right? I mean, imagine, imagine, for example, maybe if the effects don't last, aren't permanent, which Mm -hmm. it sounds like they're not from what we've read. Yeah. But you could have some kind of wearable device, right? That That can make that stimulation possible. Yeah, that that maybe detected the onset of tremors using Uh something Mm -hmm. and then, you know, started pinging with the ultrasound to suppress it. Uh Uh-huh. Pretty cool, wouldn't it? That sounds really amazing. Yeah. I think I may patent that idea. <laughs> anyway, but a very interesting development. Yeah, and, really cool uh, one. Uh, let's hope it um, moves along into something real. Well, there you have it. Two very different and very interesting uh, kind of pieces there. The ultrasound, focused ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows what... Um, where that's going to lead in terms of treatments. Yes. Well, I think it's a very interesting thing that you could maybe improve mm. quality of life like this with yeah. people with epilepsy or other yeah. problems like this. And the thing about it is it's non-invasive, which is... Exactly. I think that's super important. It's major, right? And then, of course, our second piece. Francis Allen uh, Francis. is magnificent. You yeah. listen and... Basically, in history, you have had, like you were saying at the beginning, a lot of women that had a lot of accomplishments. Unacknowledged. Exactly. They remain unacknowledged. Kind of airbrushed out of history. Mm -hmm. And Um, I think it's very good that we managed to give some kind of... uh, I think we should call out the patriarchy on this one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because I can't think of any other reason than that. That's true. (laughs) These people, these women should have had full recognition somehow they get airbrushed out. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to try and fix some of that in ongoing. For sure. Thank you so much, Carl. Thank you, Ralph. And everybody, see you next time down the rabbit hole.